0: Radioinfluence.com. We are back for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. Of course, as always, I'm joined by Daniel Gavon. It is Thursday, March the 23rd, 2023, and we're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts and coming up here later on the show, we're going to tell you about a brand new sponsor here on the MMA Report Podcast, and that is Sunday. They are a long care service, and we're going to tell you about how you can save 20% off your order over at Sunday, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on here in the show damn before we get in this crazy world of mixed martial arts i just gotta ask you were you a little jealous when i sent you that picture on sunday of me going to my local shopping store where shopping is a pleasure and i had a nice ice cold beer in the uh in the cart
1: oh yeah there's no activity that can't be improved with beer mm-hmm. i mean if you told me if i go to a sunday service church and i get a beer while i'm listening to the good lord's gospel I'm going to love it. Going to shop for groceries, that just sounds fantastic. I will say it sounds like a bit of a scheme where it's like, oh, I can't leave the grocery store. I still have half a beer.
0: <laughs> I I got into that dilemma. Like I was like pretty much near the end and I'm like, I've got like three quarters of a beer left. So I oh just kept God. walking down other aisles. Yeah. It's first off the the holder needs to be in the front of the cart, not the, the, uh, in the back of the cart, not the front of the cart. So it's a little more accessible, but yeah, our, our new Publix by my house here, they've got literally a, a bar in it and literally you can go up there, get, you know, get your, uh, get your beer. It's five bucks. So it's not bad at all. And, uh, you know, walk around and, uh, and shop and, uh, yeah. And then, th- but th- there was a moment that I was, I started looking around going, Okay, I feel like I'm only one of like three people shopping while drinking beer. I might feel like a little bit like an alcoholic.
1: Yeah, there is a part of that. There is a part of that where you can't even get some eggs without drinking a daddy soda. You may may have a problem, but it's a Sunday, okay? If there's one day out of the week you should be allowed to drink while you shop, it's certainly a Sunday. I mean, that's just the perfect activity. No judgment here, but... We both certainly have an appetite for the daddy sodas. So yeah,
0: yeah you know. I am sure. I am sure there is probably someone who looks at someone as they're shopping, having to having an ice cold beverage. That goes, Jesus, you couldn't wait till you got home? No, 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 no. no. The wife's pushing the cart. We're good. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. I'm not gonna drink and drive the cart. You know, the the wife can push the cart. I'll just you know sit back and and have a bud. It, it, it sounds fantastic. I am jealous. They don't do that anywhere where I'm at. I mean, obviously, there's the stereotypical barbershop deal that does exist down here, but certainly, uh, the more activities that you can drink while doing them, I think the better they they get. Just to, just to take the edge off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know there's a the barbershop I go to does not uh, you know have the beverages, but someone else was telling me recently. He's like, yeah, this place over here. Uh, yeah, they, they've got the beverages while you can have a little cocktail while you get your uh, your haircut. I was like. Damn, that sounds tremendous!
1: Tremendous. As long as, as long as my barber isn't drinking, I'm all in. I, that, I don't that, want a barber.
0: That is a great point because you've got a massive head of hair there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's going to take. Uh, that's going to take I, I, a massive I, amount of I focus. I feel like
0: if you ever had to cut weight and you were, you know, a la Daniel <laughs> Strauss one pound away, I think you, you you might be able to cut that one pound just by shaving your head.
1: I think maybe more. I think maybe more. I've got a whole bush here. I mean, this is uh, this is this is quite a lawn uh, that needs to get taken care of. And we have a great sponsor. We'll talk about later about how to take care of your lawn and, and maybe make it look as glorious as my luscious uh, head of hair. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm gonna cut it soon. I, I grew it out. I've been doing this uh, pro wrestling camp and. Uh, with uh, Dustin Rhodes, Gold Dustin WWE, I've been doing it three months, and so we have one week left. And this Sunday, for those that are interested on YouTube on the Rhodes Wrestling Academy YouTube page, they're gonna debut our little student show that we did, and you can see me in underwear, basically some tights. You get, you gotta see the uh, the the body of Daniel Galvan and my uh, basically my pro wrestling debut. So that'll be up on YouTube on Sunday, and then afterwards, I'll probably have to cut my hair and get a get a real job. But uh, for 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 the time being, you know, I've got my luscious lock still.
0: That's awesome. That's all. I mean, do, are we going by Daniel Galvan, or or did we come up with a uh, a wrestling name?
1: I have a wrestling name. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna leave it. Let it be a surprise because it's pretty interesting. Is all I gotta say. I think a lot of people that know me in my life, my parents. My girlfriend—they're gonna have a lot of questions when they see what type of character I portray in this video. Is is, is what I'll leave it at. I, I don't want to spoil it. I, I want people to see it and be like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" But I had a lot of fun. I'm pretty proud of it, and I'm actually pretty proud of the little show that we put together. The people's every every one of my classmates kicked butt, and uh, it's it's gonna be a fun little deal to check out on YouTube.
0: In the old radio industry, that's what we call a teaser.
1: Yeah. teasing
0: it up but let us know on sunday so uh yeah what we'll, we'll do is we'll we'll get that link out there so people can be able to to take this one in but uh you know of course uh, we're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mma of course it's now been uh you know, about uh, five days since UFC 286 went down there, and we are going to talk about kind of the, the landscape with the UFC welterweight division after uh, what Dana White said after the event was over, what Leon Edwards has said, Colby Covington has said, Bilal Muhammad has said over the past couple of days, so we'll talk about that. Also, we'll preview UFC San Antonio, which, of course, goes down there on Saturday. Main card, 7 p.m. each time. I believe, I believe the whole card's actually on ESPN. For this Carter prelims, we'll start at 4 p.m. Of course, a great main event between Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen. Plus, we'll talk about some news and notes. Plus, we got to agree, disagree, of uh, something a coach had to say about Conor McGregor, which obviously was spurred by uh, Conor McGregor's uh, late-night tweet session, which uh, sometimes you never know what you might wake up for uh, when Conor McGregor starts tweeting things. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about this UFC welterweight landscape. Obviously, a lot has happened since Saturday. Leon Edwards goes out there there and gets a majority decision. Win. Uh personally I had it, a draw at 47, 47, I think it ultimately comes down to really how do you score the second and third round? That's going to kind of dictate how you score. Uh, you know, Leon Edwards going out here and um, you know, we, we talk about, I mean, you know, sometimes you do some things that you wonder if the ref's actually going to take a point. Well, I, I love that uh, Herb Dean, uh, you know, taking the point away. I thought it was a great uh, call by him. It clearly stopped a takedown attempt. But, uh, you know, Leon goes out there and gets to win. I had it a draw. Did you have it a draw as well?
1: Yeah, I had it a draw, which I guess gives Leon the decision if you give him back the point. Yeah. But I, I did have it a draw. It was a very close fight. It was Leon Edwards now is certainly deserving of being called the best will to win on the planet. He fought a much better fight. In this one, than he did the other one. Obviously, that was the expectation. But, man, the defensive wrestling out of Edwards was just really on point. The stand-up was something we expected to to be the key to his victory. Kamaru fought him tough. It's not unrealistic to expect Kamaru to make one more run back to that championship. Because much like the Kamaru-Colby Covington rematch, it was a close contest where the loser wasn't that far off at the champion from a skill level standpoint. So hats off to Edwards. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought he was going to drop the championship in the rematch, but he won. And he fought an even more dangerous Kamaru, a guy who was out to reclaim his legacy, and Edwards shut him down. But yes, I did score a draw, which in principle makes me think that Leon was the better fighter on Saturday.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I think one of the more interesting things about what we saw on Saturday is, is kind of and, and this kind of goes to the aftermath of Colby Covington gets a call on Tuesday to be a backup fighter, which is just odd to me. You know, maybe, maybe that maybe that says the UFC hack, maybe some concerns about the, the Kamaru Usman side of this uh, equation. But, uh, you know, then it's like, you know, I, I feel bad. Like, what if we got to Friday? And they go to Leon Edwards go, oh, by the way, uh, Usman's out. You're taking on Colby Covington. Like, that would not be fair to the champion. That, that to me, that whole situation is just odd. The fact that uh, Blum Muhammad and his manager, Ali Delaziz come out after the fact and say, hey, Colby was offered to fight us on this card. It didn't happen. Colby's got his version of the story. Who knows where the truth uh, lies in, in this equation. But, you know, as I was looking at the top ten of the UFC welterweight division of how this thing could play out. The one thing that really stuck out to me is the fact of how a majority of this top 10 does not have a fight. Actually, the only fighter who currently has a fight booked is a guy we're going to see here in a couple weeks in Miami. That's Gilbert Burns who's taking on Jorge Maslow. Everyone else is not booked in this division. Now, Dana White did say that Shafkat, Rahmanov, Muhammad is a fight. That they are targeting. First off, kudos to Bilal Muhammad for willing to take this matchup because I don't know how many people in the top five would exactly be clamoring to take on Shavkat Rachmanov. And, you know, Dana White said Colby coming to you is going to be next. And, you know, Saturday when I initially heard this, Daniel, my initial thought was like, really? Colby's getting the next title shot? The guy hasn't fought in a year, doesn't have a win against a top 10 fighter. His most, you know, of course, the, the also say about this, do I think Colby Covington is the third best welterweight in the world? Yes, I do. I do believe he's the third best welterweight in the world. But I'm like, the thing about Colby Covington is his best performances are in fights against someone that he did not defeat in, in Kamar Usman. Those were his best performance in the octagon. Of course, you tell Colby Covington, you know, he won the second fight. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll gladly tell you that one. But like, it's one of these things of like, I guess I've been around this sport way too long, Daniel. I know how this goes. Gilbert Burns or Jorge Masvidal is going to go out there and just put on a performance in a couple weeks, and magically this whole narrative is going to change. I've seen this before. I've seen how this plays out, Daniel.
1: Yes, it is very much a flavor of the week situation when it comes to the UFC awarding championship opportunities, and that's a real possibility of happening because obviously Leon has put it out there that he doesn't want that Colby Covington fight, that he doesn't think Colby deserves the opportunity. I think for Edwards, the reason why he's saying that is because, yes, he believes that, but to be frank, Colby is a pretty rough matchup for Edwards. I think if you're looking at the welterweight contenders, Colby is one of the guys I would point to as the most likely to beat Leon. There's two guys in particular that I think can beat Leon Edwards, and I'm not a big fan of Colby Covington because of a lot of his more outrageous comments. But I must say he's a really phenomenal fighter. And because of his wrestling background and he usually has a pretty smart game plan, I think he could probably go out there and win the championship. So I think that's why Edwards is going to be pretty steadfast and say, no, 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 no. I'm not getting in the octagon with him. And he has the leverage of being the champion. And he has the leverage of there being other possible challengers with so many other people not having dates. Colby's big negative is that he's been inactive and it appears as though he has not been taking fights. His resume is pretty good. He's coming off the decisive win over Jorge Masvidal, who is theoretically fighting for a title shot in a couple weeks. The Usman fights are pretty good. So... It's tough. The thing is, a lot of people don't like Colby Covington, and a lot of people don't want to see him play the game, and get rewarded for it, when so many other fighters haven't.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's and like I said, it's one of these things where we've seen how this thing plays out. Now, it's very rare that we hear Dana White basically kind of announce what their plans are, after a fight cards over as something not do. Now, if I'm in the Leon Edwards camp. Also the reason that I mean I'm sure they're hoping for a, a Mavsadal victory at UFC 287 is there's a storyline there. there. There's a way, you know, there's a there's a money maker in there. You now the one thing I'll say about Colby Covington, whether you like him, love him, hate him, indifferent. This guy gets clicks. I was on Monday Monday night. I put a tweet out there and he had done two interviews at that time. One interview with submission radio, which I want to say had like 184,000 views at that time. And he did an interview with James Lynch. I think had like close, to like 50,000 views at that time. And I'm just like, damn, like Colby Covington may have a fighting style that people may not necessarily love, but good Lord, this guy knows how to get people to get interested in him.
1: Yeah, he he's the That's the big reason why I think Dana was gung-ho about giving him that championship opportunity is a Colby Covington-Leon Edwards fight might actually be the biggest pay-per-view fight they can do in the division. Maybe even more so than if Masvidal beats Burns. It's a close one because Masvidal is a star and he's the type of guy who can get a lot of momentum with the public very quickly. It really only takes one good performance for people to get back on the BMF train. I would still say the Colby fight probably sells more because Colby is going to have a great pre-fight trash talk situation with Leon. People are going to have fighters to root for and root against. The only other possible World Championship fight that I think would do really good business, and I'm not sure if it will or wouldn't top Covington, and it's the fight I would look to make if I was the UFC. And it's a hard fight to make because the dude missed weight last time out. But Chimayev and Edwards is the fight I most want to see as a mixed martial arts fan.
0: Well, it seems like Chimayev going to go down, go up to 185 yeah. pounds. Uh, Chimayev uh, was on the MMA hour and he talked about he's, he's accepted fights against Colby Covington. He claims Colby turned him down. You listen to Colby Covington. He tells a different story. Only the UFC knows, and I don't know whether or not UFC would. Uh, the only way the UFC would tell us is if they hated either one of the guys at that moment, then they try to uh, bury him. I mean, yeah. we, we've been down, we've been down this road, uh, you know, with them. But like, as you look at this division and you look at the top ten. You got Leon Edwards, Kamara Usman, Kobe Covens, and Shemaiah, we expect it's going to be 185 pounds. Then you got Belam Muhammad, Gilbert Burns, Shaka Rakhmanov, Steven Thompson, Jeff Neal, Sean Brady, Vicente Luque. As I mentioned, Gilbert Burns is the only one in the top ten that's currently booked for a matchup. But it's like one of these things of if Gilbert Burns goes out there and puts on a highlight performance, maybe why shouldn't he be next? I'll throw another crazy one at you.
1: What's that? Nick Diaz?
0: Ew, come on there is one way more there is one more way oh my obvious. god
1: if you're saying if chandler loses to mcgregor you do connor and leon yes come on i mean that's not that outrageous that probably would happen
0: yeah the other thing i was say yeah. is if you put yourself in the ufc shoes i wonder maybe how much of this is understanding that the time of colby covington potentially being the top of this division it, that time's winding down. He's 35 years old. And this is that time at 170 pounds where, you know, typically you start to kind of see the the more downside of the career. So I could I could see the UFC's thought process in that of, you know, hey, let's try to get as much as we can out of Colby Covington before, you know, things start faltering with him. You know, Kamar Usman, you know, it, after seeing what I saw on on Saturday, I don't I, I don't know if he's ever you know reclaims the title, but like to me, I think there's matchups that you could make. I mean, if you're going to do Covington and Edwards next, why not do Usman and Bilal Muhammad as opposed to Bilal and, and Shavkat Rakhmanov?
1: I think maybe the reason being is Bilal and Rakhmanov... Well, the reason being is the UFC hates Bilal Muhammad, so they just want to give him the worst matchup. Because I swear to God, this guy. Is very much like Leon, and he has had like the longest road to a championship yeah. fight. Oh,
0: oh, he totally. has, yeah. he's
1: gotten bad matchups against tough dudes, and he's prevailed. Obviously, he had the situation that was a no contest with Leon, but other than that, he's been on a pretty impressive nine fight run. Um, also, the Bilal Shopcat fight like that's probably gonna be a pretty fun stand up contest versus Usman. It may be, obviously, Usman's not afraid to stand and trade, but. It could have more potential to be boring, but realistically, that's a great fight. You know, if is going to fight at 185, he's going to fight at 185. If he's going to fight at Walter Waite. Sign me up for Chimaev and Uzman. I mean, sign me up for that fight. That is literally like a co-main event on a pay-per-view right there. You, you have a championship fight. You put Uzman, Chimaev co-main event pay-per-view. That's great. But if he's not going to find that weight class... You're looking at maybe Bur- I don't know, cause Burns and Usman have already fought before. Damn, yeah, because Usman's fought a lot of these top dogs here. And then I don't know who else you would match him up with. I mean, Sean Brady is a name that doesn't get me that excited. I mean, did you, uh, do you do Uzman a big favor and, and thank him for being champion and give him a fight against Nick Diaz? Are you like, hey, man, here's a payday. Get after it. Nick Diaz, Kamaru Uzman.
0: Uh, yeah i mean i i don't think nick you know i don't think nick takes that fight
1: yeah you're right that that would be a pretty bad fight for him to take um what's next for kamaru is interesting it really really is man and i i think he's probably going to be a the type of fighter where he's maybe one loss away from stepping away from the cage like if he loses again then it's time to call it a wrap kind of like a last dance situation because again, he fought Leon very close. It's not expected. I don't think it's expected. He's going to win the championship again, but it wouldn't be unrealistic. You know, he, he to me is still a part of that top tier along with Colby and Burns, Chimaev and Edwards.
0: By the way, I had no issue with uh, Michael Bisping's commentary on Saturday, like Justin Gaethje did, which is, I'm like, Hey Justin, have you not watched these us cards? Have you not watched when, you know, fighters might have people they train with that are very biased? like, Or just because it was your teammate that magically it, you noticed it more?
1: Yeah, yeah. I love Michael Bisping on commentary. Um, I have a, a note on that. In the very first fight, it was uh, Veronica Hardy and Juliana yeah. Miller. And Veronica Hardy, formerly Veronica Machado, Won the fight convincingly, by the way. She uh, looked really good. But kudos to her. Um, Bisping kept on calling her Veronica Machado like over and over again in the first round. And it was so obvious because he was doing it. Okay, so he did it. And then John Anik said something like, Veronica Hardy. And then he did it again. And John (laughs) Anik was like, Veronica, who's married to Dan Hardy. You know, like trying to get it across and then Bisping did it again. And then you could literally hear what I could hear. I don't know. I'm just assuming like John Attic take off his headset. It's just quiet on commentary for like 12 seconds. You can hear somebody talking in the background. And then Michael Bisping magically talks about how it's Veronica Hardy. And I'm like... DC, you should have covered up for Anik there and started talking while he was telling Bisping that it was Veronica Hardy. <laughs> I, I, I just thought I'm, that was funny.
0: I I would be shocked if there wasn't somebody in Bisping's ear like saying, "Hey man, say the right name."
1: Well, it was for sure John Anik. It was for sure. No, no, John no, no, no. But someone in the oh.
0: production truck.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they. I mean, it was the first fight of the night. Maybe they were like doing some other stuff, you know, or maybe they weren't making that call. The person, in the production truck, because like, it, it's like. Veronica Machado could be like a Veronica Machado-Hardy situation. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. I I think they are a phenomenal commentary team. Really, almost every combination. I would say every combination of UFC commentary, I enjoy every single one. I don't think there's a single combination I don't like. Uh, They they do an amazing job, but I I just kind of like to poke nits at it. The only other broadcast thing... I would bring up, and I actually don't want to get this wrong. I need to double-check. Fa- who? Which fighter was it that lost his father uh, to cancer? Um, it was in the post-fight interview. I texted you. Yes, I got it. About, uh... Uh, Jack Shore. It was Jack Shore. So for DC, and Daniel Cormier, was awesome, one of the best broadcasters in this sport, he's interviewing Jack Shore, and his second question, Jack Shore reveals that he didn't lose his father, excuse me. His father got cancer and he's still around and he was there in his corner. I screwed that up. But he 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 brought that up and it was an amazing emotional story. And then the third question was about uh, a fight highlight because it was probably already queued up. Yeah. But that was a moment whenever he revealed the battle his father was going through where DC should have asked him, a question about that rather than that because it was crazy to think that his dad who was awesome in his corner uh got diagnosed went through the treatment and got back in the fight camp and that was just a beautiful story so that was my other production note was when you get something that is very emotional very raw and you're in the truck and even though you have that awesome combination of you want to show the people, cut that out and get more info on that because that was a very human story.
0: You, you know, one of the things, and kind of mentioning about that fight, I, I saw uh, Dan, who uh, on Twitter, his best fight picks. He said, to about Maquan If Maquan if fights were only five minutes long, where would Maquan be on the pound-for-pound list? Because Maquan is unbelievable in the first round, but he had, uh, literally has a five-minute gas tank. And, and, and when I saw that tweet, I was like, damn, you're not wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like the polar opposite of um, Cheeto Vera during the first part of Cheeto's
0: career. <laughs> where- oh, che- oh, oh, we'll talk about this. Cheeto yeah. is notoriously a slow starter. Yeah. like It's like if you're, uh, we'll talk about this later, but like if you want to make a bet on Cheeto Vera, even though he is the underdog heading in this one, you actually might get a better number after round one because he'll probably lose round one that's just what cheeto does for the most part and uh but yeah man I, I, we'll, we'll talk about that one in, in a little bit um by the way a a fight announcement that got made today or reported today and when i saw this on twitter my first thought was yep that's a ufc apex card and am uh, I a, huh. am i a dick for thinking this when I see that the UFC is targeting for their June 3rd fight night card to be headlined by Brandon Allen and Jackerman said that, am I a dick, true or false? That I'm like, well, that's probably a UFC Apex card.
1: No, they are for going back to the Apex. Uh, they are, you know, give, give me fight cards that are good that sell tickets.
0: But the thing is, Dana, I want to say it was on Saturday. He talked about how they want to get he wants to get away from the Apex. His word was it's too cozy, which I thought was a very interesting way that he put it. I don't know if that maybe was a message to his staff more than maybe a message to anything else, but like when it's there there's certain times you see a fight get announce at the main event that you just can't help yourself and go. Yeah, that's probably an Apex card.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's an Apex card. That fight is a good middleweight matchup that doesn't have any marketing juice. There isn't a casual fan on the planet that's going to want to buy a ticket to watch that as the headliner. I mean, that's why Cheeto Sanhagen is the headliner for San Antonio. This San Antonio card looks like an Apex card if you take out the main event. But Sanhagen Vera, that gets you in the door. That's a Bantamweight banger. Yeah. Alan I, I, Hermanson, nah, it's a good fight. But I think no, there's
0: there's a good. there's a couple of potential bangers on, on the card. We'll, 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 we'll no, talk there about is, that.
1: there is, but not the marketing, not the marketable. Yeah, yeah, I mean no. Holly Holm is on the card and she is a former champion. But yeah, we'll get into that later. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to mention was I did watch the Jeff Molina interview on the MA hour. And the reason that I wanted to tune in is, is because, you know, we really haven't heard much about the gambling probe, and we know the, you know, the fact that the Nevada State Athletic Commission has suspended, uh, Jeff Molina right now for, as a part of this probe. And so that was really the big reason I wanted to tune in. And so I want to let you hear, it's about a minute long where Ariel starts to question this and. The best way I will paraphrase this is basically Jeff Molina gives uh, a no comment.
1: You mentioned at the top, uh, it's been a crazy few months. Um, I'd be remiss if I don't ask you: Are you still a UFC fighter? Are you currently a UFC fighter?
0: Yeah, I'm still I'm still signed. Uh, I got drug tested on Friday. Usada so came to the house um, and drug tested me, so I'm still on the roster. Um, obviously, there's an investigation going on. So there's not much I can speak on, uh, on that topic, but uh, yeah, currently still signed.
1: Okay. And, and I was going to get, you know, after that, I was going to get to, you know, the the situation with James Krause, your, your, I guess, former coach, if you're a UFC fighter, they, they've already said that you can work with him, that no fighter can work with him, that no fighter can, pending this investigation, Nevada as well. And so I was just curious what your status was. You say that the investigation is still ongoing. And so there's, there's nothing you can tell us about your involvement or your status in any of this.
0: Right. Yeah. It's still going. Um, I just hope it's over sooner than later so I can get back to, to doing what I love.
1: Do, do you know, like, is it, are you being told a month you'll know or two weeks you'll know, or you don't know anything? You're just kind of in limbo.
0: Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, uh, all I know is Pending. I find it hard to believe he doesn't know where this stands. I will say that. I find that hard to believe. But to me, the part that stuck out to me the most is where he says, not much I can speak on. That to me was the thing that stuck out to me the most. The one thing uh, of watching the interview earlier today was that there was multiple times where he talked about how he's been training. And I thought the natural follow-up question would be, is where are you training? are you training with James Strauss? Now I'm sure there's probably a reason it wasn't brought up, but that was something that stuck out to me.
1: Yeah. It, it's a, it's one of those situations where it's the elephant in the room in an interview like that. Obviously everyone knows why the interview happened. Kudos to him for telling his story after a bad situation. But it's the elephant in the room because he's involved in one of the biggest scandals we've seen in this sport, really, Yeah. ever. <laughs> I mean, there isn't a lot of gambling scandals. And the two biggest names, obviously James is the biggest name, but number two is Jeff because he's the second person that's kind of been named in it. So that's the elephant in the room. Their relationship is the another elephant in that. When you're watching some of the James Krause content, you can can clearly see that Jeff is kind of like one of his close confidants. So Mm -hmm. that begs into question whether or not he's cut ties with James or not. And it is a deal where like, if you have somebody who you consider to be your best friend and they're getting investigated, are you going to cut ties with them? I mean, me? I mean, it depends what they're getting investigated for, right? If it's a serious crime that's morally and ethically bad, then, yeah, sorry, bestie, we're done. If my friend got in trouble for, like, gambling, I would still hang out with him, right? So that's understandable. But it's really relevant to Jeff because he's a UFC fighter and being associated with that camp or training with him is, like, against the new restrictions. So it's very interesting. We didn't get any more light shed on it. But i think it was one of those deals where it's pr- pretty clearly understood or you it's i assume that there was a conversation before the interview that's like hey i'm not going to go there with this interview. Yeah.
0: but but i think which it, is to
1: me, I look it at was, the fbi like, is knocking on your door i wouldn't say too much either
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and and I was telling somebody earlier today, and I said, you know, the thing about this gambling probe is it just feels like it's just been weeks before. We were, I mean, there's there's rumblings you hear out there. There's rumblings I've heard out there about things. And, you know, it's to me, it's just going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. So that's why I wanted to watch that interview to see how it was brought up. What do you talk about where he's training? You know, is he at the, you know, Glory was purchased by Joe Wooster. And uh, in, and just and to throw a little transparency out there, Jeff Molina and Joe Wooster. Joe Wooster is an agent with Iridium Sports Management. Jeff Molina is represented by Iridium Sports Management. So I, I believe Glory has gone under a new name. Um, I know Trey Ogden, who fights this weekend, he has a, a sister gym to glory that, uh, they changed names. They're now, uh, I believe I want to say it's called marathon mixed martial arts as I want to say they, 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 they changed the name too, but, uh, you know, it was just something I wanted to hear, you know, to see maybe if we get any more clarity, but kind of like you, I can't say I'm shocked that, uh, we basically essentially got a no comment because, uh, yeah. Um, if you're doing an interview about a gambling probe, <laughs> The interview is probably being done by an FBI agent uh, and not a mixed martial arts uh, reporter. But, uh, but before yeah. we move, uh, is there anything else you want to mention? No,
1: just like anything he says could be used against him in the court yes. of law. Like, like he, that's a tight rope, right? Like he, he was in a situation where he needed to comment publicly, yeah, and he did, and he had to walk a tight rope, and I can't blame him for not clarifying things, the only thing is maybe it would have been good for Ariel to probe him a little more on where he's training now but for Jeff's perspective I mean, if I was in his situation, I sure as hell wouldn't be saying nothing about nothing because you were talking about like possible jail time or a heavy fine or probation or whatever so yeah, I, I understand but it is a very juicy story that has been like on the back burner for a good while now
0: i just go back to that line of dana white all those months ago when he's like these guys are going to effing federal prison (laughs) i think that that and and like obviously dana white you know knows much more about this by the way speaking of dana white you want to talk about a odd answer last week him acting like you know um, drug testing. Isn't, uh, the, pro- I'm not the one to talk to drug testing. That's someone else's problem. Like, hold on, Dana, you're the president of the company. I get you have Jeff Novitski to head that department, but you're still the guy that runs the company. Yeah. You should be worried about what's going on with drug testing. And, uh, I saw a headline over at, at bloody That was basically along the lines of, it, it was interesting. Isn't it interesting? We can't get an answer out of the UFC or Jeff Novitski about Conor McGregor's drug testing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty fishy situation. And Dana deflecting is ridiculous. I mean, literally (laughs) USADA's website is ufc.usada.org. Okay. (laughs) It's, it's, it's it's the UFC's anti-doping program. It's not, it's not um, a government anti-doping program. It's, it's, it's the UFC, which is a private business.
0: I know. It's, dude, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. It, it's, and the way Dana, handled that last week, and I was just like, uh, really? That's the way you're going to present this? This yeah. is how you present it to us? Like, that to me was just like, I was like, okay, Dana. All right, Dana. I guess, uh, and, and I think it was Dan's way is also trying to shut down the conversation because, and look, and Dana is, is fabulous at doing that. He, he knows how to shut down the conversation with the media. Uh, but before we get into this weekend's UFC fight card, do I let you know about a new sponsor we have here at the MMA report podcast. And that is Sunday. If you're like me, you love spring, but you may not love figuring out how to take care of your yard. Does anyone else just stand there in the store wondering where to start? That's where Sunday lawn care comes in. It's time to reclaim your weekend. Sunday lawn care can take, can take one thing off your to-do list. Instead of spending the time working on your yard with Sunday, you can spend time enjoying it. I know when I go to the store and I go into that yard lawn care section, I am absolutely clueless. So I'm glad that Sunday lawn care is here to tell me exactly how to take care of my yard.
1: I mean, how cool is it that you can have the best lawn in the neighborhood? With Sunday, you can make that a reality. You can go out with your with your walk, with your dog or whatever, and you can be proud that you got the best lawn in the neighborhood. And Sunday is everything you need to get that lawn you've dreamed of. This spring, you go to GetSunday.com slash MMA Report and enter your address. And what's amazing about Sunday is they're going to give you a customized plan created just for your specific lawn. That's why Sunday is just absolutely amazing. You don't need to go to a store, no hauling bags. It's a subscription service and it's affordable, Jason. Some lawn services, man, they can run you up to $1,500 a year. For a single year with Sunday, you've got some full season plans that start at just 100 And nine dollars and the other thing I love about Sunday aside from the fact that they're gonna make my lawn look good I know what's going inside of it is also good for it They only use ingredients you can feel good about I'm talking about no harsh chemicals No long waiting periods or trying to keep your kids and pets off the lawn because you're scared They might get into it. You just apply it on there. Let it dry and man. You're back to enjoying
0: your yard and, you know, this time of year, I'd love to be out in the backyard, you know, throwing a little cornhole, having a couple uh, you know, you know, adult products. So you got to take advantage of the offer that Sunday has for the M.A. Port podcast listener. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20 percent off full season plan start at just $109 and you can get 20% off when you visit GetSunday.com slash MMA report at checkout. That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash MMA report and uh, we go over that website, you can uh, see the guys who started this company and exactly how they came up with this product. It's an absolutely amazing product and when you hit that unique URL and take advantage of that offer, let us know that you heard about them here on the MMA report Podcast Now, Daniel, coming up on Saturday, we got UFC San Antonio, another fight card in front of fans, which I absolutely love. Main card, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, prelims, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, of course, headlined by Cheeto Vera and Corey Sanhagen. Holly Holm taking on Yuna Santos. Uh, also, uh, Nate Landwehr, uh, you, you talk about fighters who are just, you know, are going to put on a show. Nate Landwehr is one of those guys. He is, to me, you know, when you talk about, you know, guys that you tell me they're (coughs) fighting and that you just know these guys are going to bring the action, he is one of those guys. Um, Chidi Bang Bang, Injikwani, another one of those guys. You tell me Injikwani is fighting, I'm definitely interested in that one. But, like, why do I feel like outside the main event, I know you're the flyweight hipster over here. Why do I feel like you got Alex Perez and Manel Cops circled on your score on your scorecard? I mean, that's
1: a damn good fight. Yeah, it is one of the fights I'm looking forward to the most. When I criticized this card for not having, like, bangers, I didn't mean great fights because there are great entertaining type fights on this one. There aren't those names, but those fights you mentioned, those have potential to be, like, real bangers in terms of fight of the night caliber especially Lingo and, and Landwehr and Perez and, and, and Kappe. I mean, that's – those two fights I expect to stay standing. Manil is like a heavy hitter, and so I'm excited to see that. So, dude, those two fights are good. Chidi versus Durayev is like – it can go either way. Either Chidi is going to give us an exciting stand-up fight or Albert's going to have success with this wrestling, and it may not be super exciting, but – Andrea Lee and Macy Barber, that one should be pretty good. I think those two are going to stand and trade. And if Macy gets a little aggressive, I think we're in store for a good fight. So, like, overall, this fight night, it's not the most marketable fight card. But it could be one of those deals where once we watch the fights, man, there were a lot of fun things to see. And then, dude, like, that main event, I mean, it's absolutely bananas.
0: Yeah, I mean, how how do you not love this event? By the way, I got to point to this headline over at MMA Junkie uh, right now: UFC on ESPN 43s Marlon Vera tile shots are given out a base of whatever the fuck the UFC wants. Ian
1: line, yeah, that's one
0: hundred right there, bro. Yeah,
1: that's that's a
0: hundred, and he's and he's right. So, and- so this was his quote. He goes, "The way that the rankings are done, it's really hard to predict." You've got O'Malley at number one after I beat him. Jan, now you got Morab at number one after he beat him. Jan wasn't number one after the last fight, but you beat the guy who then you got to go to number one. So it really doesn't effing matter. You can be number 10 and fight for the title. It's whatever the fuck the UFC wants to do at this point. I'm okay with that. I mean, look, it's he ain't wrong. I mean, Cheeto Vera is not wrong here, but it's one of these things where I feel like even though Cheeto Vera is the underdog, if he goes out there and gets the victory, he's he's got to be the guy that's potentially right in line if for some reason Aljo versus Cejudo doesn't happen in May. And O'Malley doesn't step in to take that fight. I mean, I mean, look, you you understand why the UFC would want to put Sean O'Malley in there because of the star power he has. But you talk about how the the run that Bell Muhammad has been on. I mean, look at the run Cheeto Vera has been on. I mean, I was in a way, I was kind of surprised to see. I would have thought that this would be probably more of like a pick'em type fight between these two guys. I mean, I think this. My expectations is I think this thing's gonna go to 25 minutes. I do give a slight edge to Corey Sandhagen in the matchup just because of notoriously Cheeto is a slow starter where I could see Corey Sandhagen, you know, being up 3-0 heading into the fourth round. Cheeto wins rounds four and round five, and Corey Sandhagen walks away with a 48-47 victory. Yeah,
1: I think the reason why cheeto is a dog here is probably because of his performances in the cruz and edgar fights Mm -hmm. because in both of them i mean it's stereotypical cheeto where it was slow starts but cruz and edgar when they each fought cheeto weren't the killers that they once were right edgar's now retired that fight happened in 2021 and 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 the cruz fight happened last year For Cheeto, you're going to want to have seen him fight more like he did against Rob Font, which I would say is probably one of his top two most impressive performances along with the O'Malley one. And if that's the type of Cheeto that we get against Sanhagen, he deserves to win this fight. But I think Sanhagen's the safer pick because you kind of know what you're going to expect out of his output on the feet. And I think the idea... When I'm imagining this fight playing out, and I think it's going to be the best fight of the night, and I think it's going to be a fight of the year contender. I think what we're going to see is Corey out striking with the volume, but Cheeto land more significant strikes. And I don't think either dude is going down. I think it's just a matter of does Corey just straight up win the first three rounds and Cheeto the last two?
0: Well, you know, you mentioned about Corey, you know, the the matchup that Cheeto had against Rob Font. And one of the things that I think you, you a lot of people I think would remember about that fight is, Rob was having excellent first four minutes of a round. And then that, it was that last minute. If, if you may not remember this, Rob Font landed over 100 more strikes in that matchup than Chido Vera did, but it was, you know, we talk about, you know, j- you know, how fights are supposed to be scored, the triple Ds. Damage, dominance, and duration. And when you talk about the damage that Cheeto Vera did in that fight, I mean, even though he didn't land as much as Rob Font did, he went he uh you went out there and easily got the victory there. And that's where I think that the volume of Corey Sanhagen is going to come in there. You know, I did find interesting that Corey Sanhagen, who said that with a win that he wants some Rob Davis really And I was like, okay. I, I don't feel like Marlon Vera, even, even though I saw a lot from Marlon Vera, they're like asking about his plans after the fight he's like there are no plans there's no after party i have no plans to go out and eat i have no plans to go out and drink he goes all that's on my mind is this matchup so it will be very interesting if cheeto gets a win on saturday night does he call you know to be you know next up after henry cejudo or maybe does he say you know what i'll say I'll, I'll take out marab next
1: man if i was cheeto i would call out o'malley again That's what I would do. I would want no part of Marab. I'm surprised Sanhagen wants that fight. That'd be the one dude I don't want, right? Fight a champion who doesn't have a championship.
0: But if if you're Corey Corey Sanhagen's position where you've already been to the top of the mountain, I think it makes a lot of sense to say, okay, you know what? I understand that I'm going to have to beat everyone at the top of this division. So you know what? I might as well just call him out now and let the UFC know, all right, I'm down for that matchup.
1: Well, it is true that even though Cheeto is kind of right, that the UFC can do whatever the F they want when it comes to granting championship opportunities, beating Mirab gets you there. So that is the shortcut, right? You could go and you could take out two to three top six guys in a world, or you can just take out the best guy who doesn't have the championship, the guy who won't fight the champion because they're training partners. And if you beat him, you're guaranteed a championship opportunity. The problem is, for making that challenge, is you actually have to beat the dude. And that's a whole other can of worms. Because I I don't think there's a single person that's not named Henry Cejudo and not named Aljo that can beat Mirab right now at 135. Don't think there's a single one. Don't think Corey can. Don't think Cheeto can. And it's not because... They're any less talented than him. It's because it's a really bad matchup. I think Murat's just going to go out there be tenacious with his wrestling, and even if he doesn't score the takedowns, he's shown he can still win a damn fight with takedown attempts. Thankfully, just look. yeah. No, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to transition to to the back to that fight. So go ahead. What were you going to say?
0: No, I was going to talk about the betting Astros fight, and I think it kind of tells you how the betting public sees this. When fight goes to decision, minus one thirty. Fight doesn't go to decision, plus one hundred. Over four and a half rounds, minus one forty eight, under four and a half rounds, plus one ten. I think this thing's going 25 minutes. So um you, you might be better off if you if you like either Cheeto or Corey Sands. But like I said, like if you're in a state where you can live bet fights, you might want to just take Cheeto there after round one because you're probably gonna get some good uh good money on, on that one. But like like you know, as you were talking about, you know, kind of Sohudo and Aljo, like a thought that came to my mind is when we get to what's that, two eighty eight, I think that is. Yeah, two eighty eight. How many people are going to actually pick Aljamain Sterling? I feel like a majority of people will be picking Henry Cejudo.
1: I don't know. I think it's going to be close. Is there future odds on that one? There has to be. What are the odds right now? That's a very interesting fight.
0: I mean, there's got to be. uh, Henry Cejudo. So this is a DraftKings plus 100. uh, Aljamain Sterling minus 120.
1: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because like. Obviously, we've seen Aljo compete at the highest level recently. But maybe once people start to reacquaint themselves with what Henry has did in his career, those odds go towards Cejudo. My gut's telling me Aljo right now, but I haven't done my due diligence. I haven't really thought about this one. It's pretty telling that you're a damn good fighter, that you take some time away and you take on the champion and you're only minus 120.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would I would probably, as of right now, I would say Cejudo just because of, of the overall game. And, um, you know, I would e- expect him to be able to keep Aljo off his back, which, I mean, obviously that, that's the key, what Aljo wants to do there. But, I mean, look, like when you look at the top of this division, I think it's all going to play out over the next couple weeks. And, you know, if there is a backup fire, I believe I saw O'Malley said he was not interested in being a backup fire, which is kind of interesting because, um, you know, Ali Abdelaziz basically let the uh, the cat out of the bag that if you're the backup fire, you make weight you get twenty five thousand dollars that seemed like a pretty good deal.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad deal at all. I would I would be down to get on a diet to uh, make make twenty five grand. Um, let me ask you this: Is bantamweight better than lightweight, or is lightweight better than bantamweight? Which division mm. do you think is the best division in the UFC, or is it? is it welterweight is welterweight the best division or is there a division i'm not thinking well,
0: of? i mean it's always been lightweight i mean that's always yeah. been there um but
1: look at that top 15 for bantamweight and compare it to compare it to lightweight and it, it's it's pretty close and that top 15 in bantamweight doesn't have cejudo in it
0: is featherweight that far off <sighs>
1: No, I'm, I'm, really I'm just isn't. over here on the
0: UFC website. And yeah. you know, I look, I look at 35, 45 and 55. You might be able to case make make case for the top 15 of 45.
1: Yeah. That's a pretty good case too. I mean, yeah, I would say the more I'm looking at it, Walter it's kind of out of the conversation. I think what you like about 45 is that middle tier is pretty good, right? Cater, Chikaze, Teporia, Bryce Mitchell, um, but you compare that with the middle of the bantamweight. You got Font, Cruz, Song, Munoz, Simone. I think the middle part of featherweight is definitely better than the middle part of bantamweight. I think that God, it's close, man. Right. I don't know. The top part of bantamweight is really good too. I mean, Mirab, O'Malley, Vera, Jan, Sanhagen versus Yair, Holloway, Ortega, Allen, and Emmett. It's tough.
0: I'm, I'm like, I mean, I, I know we're getting a little off track yeah. here, but, <laughs> but. As I look at this 45 pound weight class, there are some fights you tell me they're happening. Okay, I got to be in front of the television set. How about the Korean zombie versus Giga Chikaze? Uh, count me in, buddy. Banger. Yeah. Tapori against either one of those guys. Banger. Sign me up.
1: Cater against any one of those guys.
0: Cater, I think, is kind of, be- in a way, is kind of become a little bit of a forgotten guy in this division.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's kind, of yeah. like He's kind of like Sandhagen. He's kind of like Sandhagen, I think, uh, in terms of what he means to that weight class. But you like,
0: know? but you like you look at Bantamweight and you start to kind of look at these guys that are making their way up. And, and the one at thirty five that sticks out to me the most is Adrian Yanez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because yeah. you t- you talk to anyone that's around Adrian, they, they talk about the boxing, and so you know they've kind of formed this new team in Houston. Um, it, it's it's him. It is um, Rafián Stotts and a couple other guys that you know built this one up. I know I know Stotts is also doing some work out there at Extreme Couture as well. I mean, like that's one stick out there. And then you know you look at lightweight Jalen Turner. Even though he's coming off a loss, to me that he's just a fun guy to watch fight. Um, Anato Macano, another one. Drew Dober, another one. I mean, I still probably say 55 is still the premier division, but 35 is right there. Yeah,
1: and again, don't forget about Cejudo, and don't forget about Davison Figueroa. Yeah, you got oh, that's two great. big. You got two. I mean, it, it's close. I would say, bantamweight. I and maybe I'm just like recency biased. Maybe it's just because we're talking about a big bantamweight fight, and and uh, when we talk about a big featherweight scrap, I'll come on here and tell you I think featherweight's the best weight class. But when you factor in Davy and Cejudo. I gotta go bantamweight. I gotta go bantamweight.
0: Well, don't worry. We're like three weeks away from Max Holloway on Allen, so you'll be telling me in three weeks from yeah. now like, that, the
1: waste the best. <laughs> and and whoever wins that fight should get a title shot.
0: We actually we have no Bell uh, no UFC event next week. We do have a Bellator event. Um, not exactly the Bellator event's gonna get. I don't. Oh, by the way, I don't know what happened. Um, I, this week's kind of been a bit of a crazy week for me. But uh, I'm I'm throwing, going through my uh, timeline and I see Jedi Goodman puts up a list of everyone's be- uh, votes in the Bellator ranking system. I'm like, did somebody say something?
1: What happened? Something happened. I don't know.
0: I have no idea. I don't know. I just saw that. You know, it's like you know. I, I knew most of the people that were on the on the uh, the voting panel, but I was like, did something happen that I'm just not aware? Maybe someone talked. Maybe Ariel. Maybe said something about the Bellator rankings. I don't know. But I, I was like, it was like, did I miss something?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I can't uh I don't see anything that sticks out when I look at the Belchway rankings. There isn't uh there isn't anything surprising. I I've gotta
0: I have to I've gotta update my spreadsheet um, in terms of my rankings in comparison to the official rankings just to kind of see where it's at. But uh I know when, when I did my last one, um there wasn't any notable fighters who were no longer eligible to be voted on. The only one that was um not available was Janae Harding. Which I took as Probably means meant Bellator Got rid of her I did, I did see by the way Speaking of Bellator I saw this on Twitter That apparently um, When Kat Zingano Was taking the fight For uh, next week's card Against uh, Liam McCourt That Bellator told him that it was going to be an interim featherweight title matchup or, or potentially get ready for that. But it's only going to be a three-round fight, and uh, you know we'll see. And then I, I did see, by the way, speaking of women's 145 pounds, uh, Ariel, did, uh, during his Q&A session, was asked about Kayla Harrison and really basically said, like, yeah, it doesn't seem like anything's uh, planned up right now, which is like, yeah, it's only your most remarkable fighter. BFL, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: By the way, I'm speaking sure- of- go ahead.
1: I'm sure they want to put. I'm sure they want to put her in a fight. I don't know what, why it's not happening. Maybe, maybe um, she just wants to like fortify the, the skill set after the loss to Pacheco. But yeah. yeah, that has to be the first priority when they're planning the seasons. Let's get her back in there. She yeah. is our number one star.
0: Uh, Holly Holm was in the co-main event of Saturday's card. Uh, she announced that she's got a new, I want to say it's a year five or six fight deal with the UFC trying to at 41 years old, try to make another run towards the title. Um, I would seem to think that's probably not likely, but I wouldn't rule it out.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I mean, she's proven it again, just when you think she's down and out, she comes out and, and put together those two wins over Pennington and, Now, Danya, she's a really good striker, really good clinch fighter. I mean, I think her and Santos, her opponent, are very similar. The only thing is Holmes better than her in most facets of the game. For Holly, really, the only um, issue is the age. You just never know when a fighter loses a step, right? One day you're in the prime of your career, and the next it's time to retire. Obviously, she has no intention of doing so. She wants five more fights. But uh, home is the pick here just based on track record.
0: No, I mean, yeah, she would be my pick as well here, but, you know, it's one of those things you, you bring a great point, you just never know uh, when they can go down. You know, maybe one of the most, uh, you know, fighters that I think you kind of circle about long-term has to be Macy Barber taking on Andrea Lee. You know, she's now won three in a row. I mean, I think people kind of forget, you know, she lost those back-to-back fights. You know, she had that loss against Roxanne Montefiore and, and now, and then had that loss against Alexa Grosso, but she's won three in a row all via decision. Um, first time we've seen her since July of last year. That's someone that, uh, uh, definitely uh, sticks out to me. Yeah, you know, we, we mentioned about Alex Perez Mano Cop. I mean, to me, that's a fight of if Alex can make it a grappling matchup, I think it, it puts him in a good spot. But I, I really think Mano Cop just keeps the final feet. I think he ultimately gets a, a decision win there. Um, and then I mentioned about the Inchikwani and Albert Durai would be the other fight that really sticks out to me.
1: Yeah, I think in addition to those fights. The other fight that sticks out to me is probably uh, – I'm a big fan of this dude, C.J. Vergara, mm-hmm. uh, on, on the prelims. This is a guy who's from, like, uh, Laredo, he Texas. He lives in San Antonio. He's a local guy. He's a favorite in this matchup. Uh, last time out, he lost to Tetsuro, but he's favorite here. So as a South Texas guy, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight. I mean, this UFC card is the closest to me that they've come. In a very long time, I, I would have uh, gone out there if I wasn't doing the camp and maybe if the card was better. Like I can't imagine paying the ticket prices for this card. I mean, again, it's a good, it's a good card in terms of like I'm going to have some fun watching some of these stand-up contests, but when you look at the price value on these tickets, I wouldn't feel too good. I mean, that Orlando card in, in Orlando was so much better than this one. Um, but you know, I mean, the UFC is just kind of getting ready. Gonna take a week off and come back with the UFC pay-per-view in Miami. That's gonna be absolute fire.
0: So I, right, so I just went over to Ticketmaster. So uh, right now, it's not a sold-out card, so you can actually buy tickets that are uh, not uh, on the secondary market. And that cheap ticket would be $150 to sit in Section 206, Row 1, which would be the upper deck.
1: Screw that. For that card, $150 for an upper deck seat? Are you kidding me? That's that's messed up.
0: All right, if you want to sit uh, in Section F5 on the floor, Row 3, that'll cost you $1,000 a ticket.
1: If you spend $1,000 for that show, you better have a million dollars at the least in your bank account. All right. Hey,
0: hey. Look, it's, you know, I, 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 you know, look, if you UFC can get those prices great for them, but I just think overall they've priced out the common fan. I, I think that, you know, that fan that's been a part of this sport, I just, and and look, maybe I'm wrong, but I just kind of feel like they have priced a, you know, a good percentage of the fan, you know, from having the ability to justify attending i mean look there, there's not oh, look i think attending a ufc event is awesome it's an amazing experience but it, it's one of those things those ticket prices that i look at just from a consumer aspect and go yeah i'm not paying that
1: yeah it, it's really it's really expensive um it's I mean, not just I mean, too,
0: I mean, it's to it's not, give not you an idea, ufc though yeah I, I went to the valspar championship i'm in this private area which was uh, you know, all you can drink, all you can eat area, and it was $175. Wow.
1: Yeah. that I mean, all you can eat, all you can drink, that's my language. And, you know, let's see if I go to StubHub. Wow. If I go to StubHub, I can get some really good seats for cheap, man. I mean, you know, the, the nosebleeds how, are like, literally how cheap? 14, the nosebleeds are like $14 each. Uh, the section below the nosebleeds now we're now it's a little more pricey now we're looking at 63 78 82 $90 110 but the nosebleeds 15 bucks 19 bucks a pop for uh, spurs and jazz
0: Spurs aren't exactly a very good basketball team
1: Okay <laughs> That's true That's true you, you can get a pretty uh, cheap ticket for an uh, NBA basketball team in Texas so you can go to a oh, Rockets like, uh, game for cheap Spurs game for
0: cheap I think the Spurs are more interested in the draft lottery than they are playing games right now.
1: Yeah, so are my Rockets. Let's see. How much for a Taylor Swift concert ticket?
0: Oh, good Lord. I can only imagine. I can't, I can't I mean, be
1: cheap. I mean, it's probably got to be two like thousand dollars $250, $300? It's got to be more than that. Uh, well, yeah, it's probably
0: sold out, so you have to buy it on the secondary market.
1: Yeah, so the the nosebleeds for a show in Vegas is in the $700 range. Whew. You, you get down to, like, um, the floor, and it's thousands of dollars. Like, Oof. ooh, wh- yeah. Looking at Vivid Seats, some seats are selling for $2,900. Uh, the bowl is $1,500.
0: Yeah, I, I forget who the band was, you know, because there's obviously all this talk about Ticketmaster and fees. That The band put all their seats for $20, and the fees were more than the, the actual ticket cost.
1: Oh, my gosh. That is so stupid.
0: Yeah, I know it's crazy, bro. It's it's yeah, yeah. That's why I love when I go and take a match. I say, show me the price with fees. So I really know how much this thing's going to cost me uh, to be able to go there, but uh, you yeah, know we'll uh, I'll be I'll be watching UFC San Antonio. I'll be I'll probably sit home on Saturday and uh, I'll, I'll tune on to these fights. Really looking forward to that main event. Now, where we want to end this show is a little agree disagree, and this comes from an article I saw over at MMAfighting.com where the headline was Rafael Cordero: Any current top fifteen UFC lightweight would destroy Conor McGregor. Obviously, Conor had a a late night uh, coaching tirade about how uh, John Kavanaugh is the best coach in the game. And all these other coaches suck essentially what he said. And, and this was a quote from Rafael Cordero. He goes, people worry more about those top 15 guys than Connor. Now to tell you the truth, these top 15 guys today, they all swallow Connor, nothing against Connor, but unfortunately, the time away, the leg injury, the lack of motivation, the money, the drinking, looking swollen of booze. He's living life like crazy, so you lose the interest a little bit. He's doing the ultimate fire now at the Connor Show. But where's the guy in the mountains training frequently? That's the champion. When you have the media ahead of everything else, you automatically lose a bit of hunger, I think. So... In talking about whether I agree or disagree, ultimately I will disagree with what Rafael Cordero has to say here, but I do understand where he's coming from. Now, if you look at the top 15, so let's just take Mahachev out of the situation as a champion. Charles Oliveira, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Benil Darius, Michael Chandler, Fiziev, Gamrot, uh, Sarukian, Dos Anjos, Turner, Hooker, Ismagulov, Moncano, Dober, Dawson. There are fighters that stylistically are good matchups for Connor. Look, you tell me right now, if him and Chandler were fighting this Saturday, I'd probably pick Conor McGregor. Just because I don't think Michael Chandler will fight a smart game plan, and he will get caught into a into a boxing matchup with Conor, and Conor will knock him out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a real possibility. I, I think you're higher on Conor right now than I am, and you might be right, and he may prove it. You're right. I've got Chandler over Conor, but I definitely disagree with that statement from Codero. Like you look at a Dan Hooker Connor McGregor matchup, that's a fight I expect
0: Connor to win. Would Connor be a three to one betting favorite?
1: I don't know. It would be close. I I I think possibly, especially because he's essentially like the Dallas Cowboys when it comes to the casual fan on the betting market. That's the name people recognize. Um but I, I think he would be. I think he'd be a sizable favorite against Drew Dober. I think he'd be a favorite against Demir. It, Ismagulov. Magulov. Yeah. Don't know if I would pick Demir. I might pick Demir against him, but I'm not sure. Uh, Grant Dawson is a fight I would anticipate Dawson would actually win because of his skill set.
0: Yeah, he tr- he would try to grapple with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few guys in that in that weight class that would, right? Yeah.
0: Look, there's certain guys in this top 15. Why would Connor take a fight with him?
1: Yeah, why would he take a fight with Saruki? And why would he take a fight with Gamron?
0: Yeah, I mean, like if you tell me the fights that make sense for Connor. And by the way, I don't think Connor fights at fifty-five again.
1: That's a, that's a hell of a point. Have
0: you, have we not seen this dude with the shirt off?
1: So if, if Connor's
0: Conor pro- probably two hundred pounds.
1: Yeah, if Connor loses to Chandler, who would he fight after that?
0: At fifty-five, Dan Hooker is a fight that makes the most sense to me.
1: But at one seventy.
0: Well, the Nate Diaz trilogy is the one that jumps off the table, but it could, the UFC and Nate Diaz come to an agreement. I would guess that's probably unlikely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would, I would, I would go with Masvidal. I would do McGregor Masvidal.
0: That also, you know, I did find interesting that Dana White's throwing out all these potential locations for a counter fight, which, you know, maybe I'm wrong here. That almost seems like Dana White's like, Hey, uh, big cities, put your bid in.
1: Who's going to give us the best deal. Yeah, you know,
0: if you're the UFC, why don't you go to Ireland right now with, with Conor?
1: I guess it, the answer is money. Maybe they, they, they can make money elsewhere, which is crazy to think about that. You can't make. I mean, you're going to make a boatload of cash wherever you go, but their business is just maximizing profits. So if they don't go to Ireland, I think the thought process is they can maximize their profits on this Conor fight somewhere else.
0: To To me, it's. I mean, it, it to me, it makes the most sense to do it in Dublin, but I don't think that happens. And then I think it's your your three logical choices is Las Vegas, uh, Arlington, Texas, and New York City.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably gonna be New York. If I had to guess, I mean, Ireland would be awesome. Ireland would be really awesome.
0: I, I feel like it's time wise. I think the New York City thing makes a lot of sense. I just feel like this is either Vegas or, or um, North Texas.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since they ran North Texas. And I mean, this is the type of fight. You but uh, up.
0: but the, th- uh, the problem is if you want to go to Cowboy Stadium there in Arlington. I mean, can you push those ticket sales?
1: No, I don't think this, this Chandler McGregor is not a Cowboy Stadium fight.
0: You, you got to have something else on that card. I mean, and I don't know yeah. what it is.
1: Yeah, because to me, McGregor is not as hot as he was four years ago. I mean, he's, I he's cooled off. Not a lot, but he's cooled off. And Chandler isn't the dancing partner that gets people in the door to the Cowboy Stadium to fill it up to the brim.
0: No. I mean, and especially, I mean, even if you scale that at 60,000, 70,000 seats, I mean, how many, how many did WWE put in there? When they went to WrestleMania there a couple years ago, wasn't it close to 100? Yeah, that's
1: what they said. That's what they said, but it's not. I'll tell you, the, cra- the craziest they, they, thing
0: about Cowboy Stadium is when they open up those doors and you see people running in that have the stadium room only tickets so they can get the uh, the best spot in the end zone. It's, yeah. It's, it's unreal.
1: Yeah, because those tickets are cheap as hell, right? They're like super cheap.
0: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah,
1: yeah so you can get this amazing view if you're up there in front.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, this. That stadium is so goddamn large. I mean, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I would disagree with what Rafael Cordero had to say there, but I also understand where he's coming from, though. But I, I just, I, you know, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, how many people, if you asked them, will connor fight one fifty five again, would say yes? I would guess maybe twenty percent. Yeah, if yes, ten people, maybe two people will say yes.
1: And then you show those two people the pictures of them, and those two people are going to say, oh, yeah, never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah. that is very true here. But uh, of course, we, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MA report podcast. Of course, be sure to check out that deal that Sunday has for the MA report podcast listener, as you can get 20% off their plans. All you got to do is go to get Sunday.com slash MA report and check out where you can get 20% off. Be sure to take advantage of that. Uh, I will likely not have a show on Sunday. So me and Daniel will be back uh, next Wednesday to uh, chop it up, talk about everything going on I, I know daniel can't wait to break down next week's bellator card i know you can't wait
1: yeah i i'm pretty sure that bellator card is going to be in the apex
0: uh it's actually uh it's <laughs> in one of the old stomping grounds Pachanga. they're in uh temecula california
1: oh wow i thought that was an ireland card
0: no no this is uh what's this bellator 293 i want to
1: say goleman james
0: yeah bellator 293 goleman james Zingano-McCourt, Salter-Jeffrey, I it, willis I thought it Collier was in trainer.
1: I thought it was in Ireland. I was like, oh, it's a crap card. they gave it to Ireland. Now, I will tell you
0: cool. one of the most interesting parts of this is you get the return of Joey Davis. Joey Davis hasn't fought like in three years. Okay. There's some, there is some interesting uh, names on the planet. Christian Edwards moves up the heavyweight uh, in this one. Uh, Lance Gibson, Jr., who God, I saw he's training somewhere new. I want to say maybe it was Vegas uh-huh. or no, or maybe it was here in Vegas or he's with the uh, body shop there in California. Um, I saw that the other day. Uh, also, I will tell you this. The Archie Colgan, Justin Montavo fight is uh, one of those fights on the prelims. That definitely uh, sticks out to me. But yeah, I, I saw something on Instagram the other day. Like, you know, I'm telling you, man. You want to know what's going on in Fire's Life? Just go to Instagram. Pretty much most of them put everything that's going on in their life. You know exactly what's what's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, as we all do. Just uh, not a lot of people tagging pictures with James Krause. But other than that, you're going to get everything on there. He, he is not on, on Instagram anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, it was actually the other day I was I was on there, and I was looking to see if anyone had tagged Glory M Main Fitness.
1: Damn, look at you, you internet sleuth. The internet. Oh. Watch out! If you're, you Jason's coming after you.
0: And, you know, p- part of that also it was also looking at fighters who train at Glory and see where they're getting tagged at. A lot of Met Factory X. A lot of Met Factory X.
1: That's kind of been the place they migrated
0: yeah. to. Yeah, fact. Uh, I was pretty much told said it was look at Factory X, Team Oyama. Um, at one time, fight ready, but there's been some, a little bit of uh, issue between the fight ready owner and, and a management company <laughs> you know so uh, they're not uh let's just say they're not seeing eye to eye at all <laughs> you know may have been an ultimatum that came down from one that one of those people but uh but yeah it's, it's not really a surprise there but yeah it's uh and i, I think what really is i was looking at um james Gowher, because james Gowher had done training at, at glory and, and uh I did see, I want, I want to say he's back in Ireland. Um, he's kind of become that, that guy in that Bellator Bantamweight division I think everyone's kind of forgotten about. Um, I know Dre Molly, who's a, a fighter out of Tennessee, has been calling him out. Uh, Trey, Trey's calling out everybody out in Bellator Weight division uh, because pretty much he tags me in most of them. <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of see all these call-outs. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. James Gowher, that's the guy that, uh, boy, his, his notoriety has fallen off. And a lot of it has to do with a the performances and B just him not fighting.
1: Yeah, man, He's just gotta go train with the best camp in the world, SPG. You know, we gotta go train with Kavanaugh. All right, Connor. Everyone else is a bum. <laughs> everyone else is a bum.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I hear you, Connor. I hear you, Connor. But of course, uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll be back next week, right here on the MMA Report podcast.